You are Locked On Cowboys, your daily podcast on the Dallas Cowboys, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Marcus Mosier of Bleacher Report. You can find me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. And joining me today is the one and only Landon McCool. You can follow him on Twitter at McCoolBTB. Landon, how are you doing tonight, sir? I'm doing good. Let's uh, let's get into this. Yeah, coming up on today's show, we're going to talk about the Cowboys' top five needs entering the offseason. So let's go ahead and jump right into that. Um, people are starting to get into the draft. They're starting to become familiar with some of the names. Uh, we've already seen people have some strong draft takes, uh, including me. We're not even out of January <laughs> yet, so we've got, we've got a lot of time to go. Um, but before we do that, and we start finding our pet cats. I think we got to talk about what the Cowboys' biggest needs are. So before we start investigating these players um, and finding the guys that the Cowboys may target, let's go ahead and break down their top needs. And before the show, I asked you to give us our top five needs. Um, I agree with your list, so let's go ahead and get into them. Um, your number one need for this team this offseason is at left guard. Um, assuming Jonathan Cooper is resigned, would this change your important or change your opinion of how important this need is for the Cowboys? No, absolutely not. I mean, this is assuming Jonathan Cooper is resigned. I, I think that, um, you know, I think. That so it's really the biggest I mean, even if it doesn't, no matter what happens with Cooper, it, this is the Cowboys' biggest need. I, you know, look, I mean, I tend to think that if we're talking about what this team is, um, to me, this team is built to have the best offensive line in football. Um, and that's where the, the source of their success, you know, they, they try to build it from the offensive line out and, you know, what, in, in the way that it incorporates to, you know, we talked about the, the, uh, you know, the complementary football aspect of it and, and about how the run game helps the, the defense and how the defense helps the offense. Um, I think that, you know, again, this team is built to, play that way and, and that all starts for, on the offensive line so if the offensive line is not playing like a top unit um then it's really hard for this offense to operate on any level and, and i think that you know look i mean looking back at the beginning of the season i think everyone has kind of retroactively gone back to make the early season debates on whether or not you know it should be cooper versus green or or all that stuff the the primary focus of what the talk was that was not what the primary focus of what the talk was, at least in my mind. The primary focus of the talk was, can the Cowboys survive these two offensive line position changes? Or, or not position changes, but, but yes. offensive line changes uh, and, and you know continue to be the team that they want to be. Um, and, and I would submit that they... they they kind of didn't, you know. I mean, I, I think a lot, yeah, I would agree. a lot of it had to do with you know some of the injuries that, that happened with Tyron Smith, um, and I think that I mean even looking back, I think you know I would applaud um, the quickness to get to a a uh, the quickness by Lael Collins to get to a place that was a suitable level of play for a right tackle, starting right tackle right away. But I would say that at a certain point, he also kind of plateaued. And didn't improve a ton um, as the season went on. Now I, I expect to see a leap this off season, um, and I expect to uh, you know continue to see him grow into a good player. But I also wouldn't say that he 
you know, was consistently a great right tackle throughout the season. And then I think, you know, despite what people may want to say, you know, as far as they lowered the bar in the left guard, you know, Cooper was able to kind of get over that at times. But even then, at times, he he wasn't. So... I tend, especially without Tyron, yeah, and especially, especially without Tyron, without Tyron. And so I tend to think that if this the Cowboys unit, I think you know, looking back, the idea of of okay, well, this offensive line will be fine as long as they've got three of the five pieces they need, completely kind of went over the idea that you know this doesn't just need to be a good offensive line; it's got to be it's got to be a top three unit in order for this offense to. You really shine the way that it's designed to, to shine it and for the team to really win the way they need to win. So in order to kind of get it back to where it was, I mean, I think that they need to inject more talent into that left guard position um, and then hope that uh, that uh, Tyron or that uh, Leo Collins uh, continues to grow in the offseason and, and hope that that is enough to kind of get your offensive line back to where it needs to be so that your three guys that are um, – you know that you are that you do feel pretty solid about. I mean, even with Tyron's back situation, I still feel like he'll be okay. That I mean, he's still young. They'll they'll, they'll be able to work through it a little bit more. Um, I I think, but you know, the 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 unnecessary pressure on those three guys to have to be perfect to kind of make up for what's going on in the other two positions and also carry the team. I feel like was just a step too much. They need to have competent guys in those spots, starter starting level guys. They need starter level play from the other two spots consistently. I don't have concerns that I'm going to get that from Leo Collins next season. I do have concerns that I'm going to get that from anyone that's on the team right now playing left guard. All right. So let's talk about that left guard spot a little bit more in terms of what the Cowboys are going to be looking for. I know there's a lot of fans and media people out there that keep clinging to this idea that they have to draft a guy that can play tackle as well as guard um, in case Tyron's back does flare up. I just don't think that's a uh, the smartest thing to do. I, I think what they need to do is find a the best left guard that they can find. What do you think the Cowboys should do with this situation? Should they be looking for a guy that has that position flex, or do they just need to find a plug-and-play left guard and just keep him at that spot? I don't have a problem with them finding a guy who can do both. I, I do have a problem with trying to fit a square peg in a round hole. I, I think that you know, don't force a guy that you like as a tackle down the road to play guard temporarily, you know, because you think that oh, that would be a great way to fit, you know, fix both those situations. I, it, that is just a, a, a poor way of playing. Now, if if you think that this is a you, now, if you have a situation that you got a guy, you know, not saying it needs to be Zach Martin, but you know, if you got a guy that you think is a tackle that would be a really good guard. Um, and that's the position that you are confident he wants to play with the idea that he might be able to play tackle. That's one thing. But I also don't think that you should be passing on any good guards because they can't play tackle. Yes. And I also think that you – And that's what I'm worried yeah, about. And, yeah. and I'm worried about because there's some good guards in this class. I, I don't know how much of these guys you've seen, but Will Hernandez yeah. at UTEP is, is I've seen a fantastic the, I've seen Hernandez. One. I've seen the Georgia kid – Lynn, Isaiah Wynn. Lynn, yeah. Wynn. Um, and then I've seen uh, some of Williams' old tape from the pre, from uh, 16, I think it was. Yeah. Uh, so, I, I, you know, I tend to – and I, and I the, well, but let me see, that's the other thing is that there's guys like – and I've, that's the other guy I've seen is uh, 
uh, Humboldt State kid, Kappa, is that his name? Yep, Alex yeah, Kappa. Uh, so, yep. uh, you know, uh, there's guys down the, down, the, down the road. You got a lot of picks this year because of the comp picks and everything. I just think that if if you're looking to develop a tackle, then develop a tackle. It's it you're you're not really helping the situation. I think unless you have a guy who is already good at it, you're not really helping the situation by kind of forcing forcing that because a they'll never be the guard that you want them to be, and b while you're trying to force them to be the guard that you want them to be, they'll never be the tackle that you want them to be. So if you can find a guy who's good at both, who or has been a lifetime tackle that is probably a good guard like Win, uh, then I think that that's that's a great situation because yeah, you could potentially play him a tackle as needed, but do not force that situation because I think that because of the practice rules, you're just not going to be able to get a guy who you don't already think can do both to you know develop into a guy who could do both well. I'd much rather just get another guy like Kappa who just needs some time in the weight room, uh, but you know has the ability to play tackle you know built into his body. All right, let's go ahead and move on to a different position. Uh, you listed defensive line as the Cowboys' second biggest need. Um, free agency obviously is going to play a role here. We kind of expect Lawrence to be back some way or another between the franchise tag or a long-term deal. We're not sure on David Irving yet, but I would have to assume that he's going to be back here for at least one more year. But which spot on the defensive line do you think the Cowboys could upgrade the easiest this season? So if they were to happen to spend a first-round pick at on the defensive line, which spot can they improve the most? I mean, I think that it's it depends on the guy that's available. But I mean, I you know, I I I tend to think that I'm in the kind of John owning boat of you know believing that it's time to go out and get a a, a good one technique. I mean, I, I just think that it's the the things. Whoa, whoa, John gets credit for this. Well, th- this is something that we've been talking about for a uh, long well, well, time. Well, I, uh, uh, yeah, uh, that's fair, and, and you're you're totally right there. I, <laughs> I, I think I think what I meant by John's boat is that Vita Vea specifically. Um, is again, he stole that guy from me. He go back and look at our tweets. He he stole Via Vea from me. I was all in on him during the regular season. This is the first time I'm actually going to get mad on this podcast, uh, dude. I mean, <laughs> if we're going to do this, I've been talking about Vita Vea last year when we were, t- were talking about all the other guy from Washington. So I mean, all of us have been talking about Vita Vea for a long time. I just mentioned yeah, John because stole he from has us. been going. So let's, 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 you you guys let's you guys hash that out. All right, I don't know how you guys <laughs> deal with that. I'm I'm retired. So uh, that's, that's all right. We're good. So. You and you, you and all the Vita Vea fans out there have convinced me. And Thank you. I, I, I mean, like I said, I liked the kid when I watched him in Washington. Um, I, I, you know, kind of lost track obviously over the last year, but obviously the name rung a bell once he started showing up during the college year, uh, specifically during his Stanford game. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that you know, look, I mean, I think that there's value in this team having a game changer at that position because I think that the way that the the defense has developed, you're you're seeing guys who are actually playing a lot of that kind of heads up, you know, nose tackle position when we're doing sort of the deacon defense stuff. Now again, all of this is could change with you know the changing out of the passing game coordinator and all these other things. You know, any any one of those things could change how this defense sets up and, and, and the the value of that sort of player. But I, I think that it's really just it's time to find a body that can give you something as a run defender, uh, someone who can take on double teams, but that also can push the pocket in the, in the passing game because I think that that's I think that that's been the missing element of what this pass rush needs. I, I think 
you know, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with David Irving. It feels like there's a lot of rumblings that you know the, the team may not like him or they may be open to him moving. Um, you know, and so I don't know what's going to happen there. But what I do know is that you can never have enough good pass rushers, and and this team specifically yes. can never have enough good pass rush in the middle of the defense. So especially with the, with now a kind of established threat on the outside. I think that this defense needs to find a player who's a difference maker inside. I think they like some of the guys that they have, you know, from uh, training camp last year, Neil, and then they, they like DeHonde Jones um, that they got, you know, at the end of the year last year. Um, but I, I think that if you were to go out and get a, a real game changer, and, and maybe that's a three technique, maybe you get rid of Irving and you go out and get like a kid, a kid like Hurst from Michigan or something like that. I don't know, but but I I think really what we need to do is get a, another consistent playmaker in the middle of this defense to kind of take it to uh, the next spot, next spot it needs to go. Yeah, and I'm not even convinced that they can't do that in free agency. I think there's a lot of one techniques that I like uh, a lot in this class. One of them is Starlet Lele from Carolina. It doesn't sound like he's going to be back. I think that's a guy that you could bring in um, for a decent amount of money and not have to burn your first-round pick on a one technique. So I do agree that's a spot I think the Cowboys need to address. Um, I don't think they have a one technique on the roster right now. I think Malik Collins is a three. David Irving's a three. Um, so I, I do agree that they need to find a one technique. All right, really quickly on the third need, which is wide receiver. We could go on a whole show about this position, and we probably we will, will down at the some road. Point, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, so let's try to make this one quick. Des Bryant has been the talk uh, of a lot of a uh, topic of a lot of conversations this off season. So what do you expect to happen with Bryant? Do you expect him to be here this year? You know. I- with all things Des Bryant, I completely cede to Mike Fisher. You know, honestly, I, yes. I think Mike Fisher is the greatest source of, of, of you know, insider knowledge, you know, that as far as professional reporters go anyways. But specifically on stuff related to Des, Mike and Des have a relationship. And, um, and, mm-hmm. and, I, and I think that when Mike talks about what's going on with Des Bryant – he doesn't talk from a place of, of guessing, you know, and I know Mike, you know, I've met Mike personally. We, we know each other and, and I just know the dude is not a guesser. He's a guy who gets the information and then, you know, creatively speculates as, as, as to try to leave breadcrumbs for Cowboys nation. So I, you know, when he writes about the uh, potential rewrite of the, of the, with voidable years of the contract, um, you know, to, to kind of loosen up his cap number, I, that to me seems like a the most likely thing to happen, and and that's what I think should happen. I, I don't think we should throw Dez to the curve. I don't think that Dez is. I think that you know, you want to look at the numbers. They're not ready. The, yeah, they're, and I, they're look, not ready you, to get rid you, of Dez. You look at the numbers, and they're not eye popping. And I understand that, but I also think that you know that that is in the context of this team being a run first offense basically the entire time that Dez has been you know in the prime of his career. So you know, I, I think that. And Des also not being the only you know offensive target on this offense, a wide, wide you know, receiving target on this offense. So you know you, you combine all that. I understand his numbers aren't eye popping from a receiving point of view, but you know before the season he was the NFL leader in receiving touchdowns. You know since he's been in the league. So I tend to think that you keep him you keep him in. You see if you can fix the numbers, so you can get a little bit more uh, uh, cap space to work with. Um, but I, I think he's still going to be a big part of this offense. I think you need to give him some help, and I think that that 
where he is, you know, in the same way that I'm not going to blame Rod Marinelli for uh, issues that have been going on the defense, but at the same time, I'm not going to allow Rod Marinelli anymore to uh, tell right. me that I can't have a an elite one technique anymore. You know what I'm saying? In the same yep. in that same manner, I'm going to keep Des Bryant, but I'm also not going to have him tell me that Terrence Williams is a good enough number two, you know, wide receiver running mate for him anymore. I when I, when maybe we are realizing that the issue is is that we it. Is not that Terrence Williams isn't good enough. It's just that he is not the kind of wide receiver you need opposite of a Des Bryant. You need somebody who is a consistent hands catcher who, you know, maybe Terrence Williams with uh, more speed who's a hands catcher. You know, saying a good route runner, a guy who can do the dirty work, but who's going to be a little bit more reliable in one-on-one coverage and is going to be, um, you know, a little bit more of a, of a, of a threat down the field. Does uh, Emmanuel Sanders interest you in free agency this offseason? Yeah, I mean, I like. I, I think Emmanuel Sanders is is the kind of guy that you're talking about. I think, um, you know, but I also think that there's a couple of Emmanuel Sanders types in the draft from what I've seen. I agree. So I, I think, you know, a right. DJ Moore. I, I think that, look, I, I think these guys need to, you know, I, I think it's time for them to get a little bit more out of their comfort zone as far as wide receiver heights and, and, and that sort of thing go. Uh, and, and 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 be open to you know these maybe guys that are outside their uh, their normal um, you know uh, Z and Y wide receiver some of the thresholds, same thresholds yeah. you know because I think yeah. that you know they, they they will have some more success uh, and I think that you know we'll we'll see we'll see a lot a different caliber of speed on the field than we have in a long time. For Bryant and the Cowboys releasing him, I kind of mentioned this on Twitter a couple of times. Is they're not ready to release Bryant yet, even if even if it made sense financially, they just don't have the players on the roster to replace him. Terrence Williams is not ready to assume that role. Um, if you're releasing Bryant, it, it means you already have to have a number one receiver on your roster ready to go. You look at free agency, if you're going to get a guy like Sammy Watkins or Allen Robinson, you know you're going to have to overpay. You're going to have to pay them close to what you're paying Des anyways. I just don't think it's realistic right now. Maybe after the draft, maybe something happens in free agency and you get guys that you think can come in here and play right away. Um, maybe then you have the conversation after the draft about cutting him or making him a June 1st cut, but they're not ready yet. Um, and we'll again, we'll have conversations about that down the road. Um, let's pause really quickly so I can tell you guys about MyBookie. MyBookie has been in the business for years and their rep is rock solid. They do 100% cash bonuses, so off the bat you're making money for doing absolutely nothing. And they have the fastest payouts. Seriously, just two business days. I would only recommend a service to my listeners that has been good to me in the past. And that's why I'm urging you guys to make your way to my bookie. You win, they pay. They have in-game live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business, and an all-new mobile site that makes wagering on the go a breeze. If you join now, MyBookie will match your deposit with an up to 100% bonus. Just use promo code LOCKEDON to activate that offer. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. You're going to want to make sure that you do that in time for the Super Bowl. Those Super Bowl prop bets are always so much fun. Um, Let's go ahead to your next need, your fourth need for the Cowboys, which is linebacker. Um, And before we jumped on the podcast today, it was announced that Ben Bloom is going to be the Cowboys' new linebacker coach. So I'm going to kind of pair these questions together for you. What should the Cowboys be looking for um, at linebacker this year? Do they need more of a Will or a Mike? And tell us a little bit about Ben Bloom because you have experience watching him at training camp. 
Well, I'll start with Ben Bloom first. I mean, I think that, you know, the, the, the interesting thing about him is that, you know, he's been around the team for a while. And um, so he's definitely well-versed in the defense and well-versed on, uh, you know, what's – what the different roles are and, and, and what everyone's what's it supposed what it's supposed to look like and, and how to, you know, kind of teach it on the field because he's very much you know, he this guy was on the field with all the coaches and very much in the middle of everything, um, you know, most of the time. And it's actually kind of funny because the one thing I do remember about Ben Bloom is that you know, you go in the training camp and you're kind of in this, you know, herd of humanity of people and, and, every, and you kind of just are hearing other people talking to each other and and, and and you know, there's always this. Whenever Ben Bloom's around, there's always this. Who's that guy? Because he because <laughs> he kind of looks like he kind of looks like a, uh, like a like a like a college frat guy intern or something. Like you know what I'm saying? Like he had kind of a. <laughs> he just looks like he's still in college. I, I, he just looks kind of young. Uh, it just kind of gave off that kind of vibe. You know that that kind of dude. And, and now you know suddenly and, and and for years I've been doing this like well, that's Ben Bloom because I, I just I, I I had looked I I had gotten you know concerned I had no idea finally was able to get you know look at the uh, the the coaches page that actually had the pictures was able to identify him and uh, and so for every year for like the last three years everyone's like who's this guy I, I'm always rudely interrupting and telling them that it's Ben Bloom um, but but it's, so it's interesting <laughs> that he's now become the the linebackers coach and I don't know if I can you know imbue you guys with any more information about what he's going to be like as a coach. But I will tell you this, that he has been involved, heavily involved in these practices in one way or another uh, with different units uh, you know, in training camp. Every single year I've been going to training camp uh, for at least the last three or four years. So uh, he's, he's clearly at least very well versed in the way the Cowboys do things. Um, so there's that. I don't really know what else, you know, his job is obviously going to be extremely different than Eberflus's job because Eberflus's job also entailed being the passing game coordinator as well, which is a huge Correct. part of what That's he a did. Good point. And, and, yep. and really, Bloom's only going to be a linebacker coach, whereas Chris Richard, Richard, by the way, Richard, uh, is uh, actually going to be the defensive passing game coordinator. So um, I, I, I don't really. Well, and how much does it help too that he's going to have Sean Lee to, to kind of you know, ease yeah, the tra- and, and, and transition? Look, I mean, you know, say what you will about these guys. The guys who are your top three guys, I mean, well, at least your top two guys, are are you know pretty well known to be meticulous, you know, linebacker type, you know, brains. You know, I mean, Jalen Smith and, and Sean Lee are both. You know, known to be very uh, heady players. I guess is, is what I, is the word I'm looking for. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think that's going to be helpful uh, as well. Um, to answer your question about what kind of linebacker we should be looking for, I don't know that those lines between you know Mike and Will are as defined as they have been before. I think that. Um, you know, I think well because the question I ask, and here's why: because we're seeing more of these 220 pound linebackers coming out every year. Sure, would you be scared off at taking one of those guys if the opportunity presented itself? I don't. I mean, I think that no, because I think that you're going to get value out of those. I mean, especially if you're getting a good one. Okay, you're, you're going to get you're going to get your value out of it. It's not like I can't I can't play with a 220 pound linebacker on my on my te- defense. I mean I, I think that I, I you know first of all in passing situations alone I think you could get a ton of use out of him. Uh, and then, you know, I, I you know I I could envision a defense that featured three linebackers that weighed less than two hundred and fifty pounds 
on the field at the same time. Okay, uh, good. You know, I mean, and, I, that, I, and that's kind of the point. I was just wondering, where are we at with the linebackers? Do we need this big 265-pound middle linebacker I, anymore? I feel like, I feel like that, that guy's Jalen. Like, I feel like that's where Jalen's probably, you know, he I, to me, he's going to be the more kind of thumper middle linebacker on rundown situations. Now, the, the question is, how much further, how much healthier can his foot get and how much better can his nerve situation get that he can include, you know, in, 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 uh, increase that athleticism even further to kind of, you know, further his role. Now he was actually doing a pretty decent job in passing downs in the at the end of the season too. But I do, yep, I, I do think that you know, um, you could probably still get something. I mean, if we're talking about where he is now versus like you know Roquan Smith or uh, you know one of these guys that are you know, the, I mean. You know, there's there's kind of a the, the, the problem with the draft is that there's tiers at these linebackers positions. It seems like to me. Again, I'm not very well studied. I'm just regurgitating what I'm hearing, and it feels like that there's you know one guy, one or two guys that are probably your first round linebackers that you're talking about, and then after that, yes. there's there's a drop off. So I, I tend to think that if you could get one of those top guys, for, if one of those top guys falls to you, that you should run to the podium. You know, but I, I think that otherwise. You know, I don't know. I'm not, you know, poo-pooing a, an undersized linebacker because I think you could still get a lot of good snaps out of that guy. Right. And should we update the people on uh, what we've heard about Jalen's foot recently? Have you heard anything recently about it? Yeah, I mean, I've heard what Broad has talked about on the the Periscope of the final, and I think it just, you know, because it didn't get out, it, it was kind of mentioned on Twitter briefly, you know, afterwards, and then he mm-hmm. he only mentioned it in the the. Uh, you know, in the periscope, the, the the live periscope that he did for the last day of the Senior Bowl. Um, so, uh, yeah, basically he was mentioning that you know that there was that he I guess clearly he had probably just spoken to somebody about Jalen, um, and he didn't you know, he wasn't very uh, we all love Broadus, but he he's not exactly you know the the most poetic person and or the best descriptive <laughs> most descriptive person always. But the way he kind of described it was that like you know. He held his hand out like you know flat, and he goes, you know, it used to be that he had kind of he could barely lift his foot like that, and then he lifted his foot up. He's like, and now he's doing this, and he basically was like kind of wagging his hand up and down like a like a baby <laughs> waving goodbye. So, so it's a great periscope. I, I mean, it was it was like <laughs> it was like how do I? And the funny thing about it is that I was I was I was watching it, and I was like I was like I'm gonna have to dis- I gotta tell somebody else about this. I don't really know how I'm going to describe what he just said to me. <laughs> so, but that. That was that's the best that you get is that he basically flopped his hand around and suggested that that's what Jalen Smith's foot is doing now. So I guess what he's saying is that Jalen's able to kind of move his foot up and down with a little bit more um, vigor. I guess is, is the idea is that the idea is that he can you know instead of it being like a strain to you know it, it being the thing he has to focus on to get his foot up now he can kind of do it with a little more ease. Which I guess right. to kind of get to it is so, sort of. Further implying that there is progress continuing to happen. So um, yeah, and by in eight months, who knows what Jalen might look like? Yeah, exactly. So physically, yeah, because because honestly, he didn't start the the real kickstart of the healing process. Uh, he started it very late. It seems like you know because there really seemed to be a a, a, a point late in the season where th- you know things really started to kick up even more so than they had previously. So. Um, yeah, we have. That's the thing that really kind of makes the linebacker position overall very difficult to parse. Is that you know we kind of have seen where Jalen has been at the end of the season and and felt pretty okay about it, but where is he going to be? You know, come training camp next year, and how do we you know 
I mean, I think the Cowboys are in a good spot because they're going to see him a lot. But how do we as analysts who don't get to see Jalen in the offseason, you know, compensate with our predictions on how the Cowboys are going to act? That I don't know. Well, we'll know in free agency. If they let Hitchens probably. go and we don't hear of them making any big offer, then it probably means they have a little bit more faith in Jalen than what, than what we can even uh, suspect. All right, our last position of need is safety. Um, and I might actually disagree with you a little bit on here because I, I think the Cowboys are set up pretty well at safety. But if you don't believe Byron Jones is going to be here long term, or if you think he's a potential cornerback in Chris Richard, got it right this time, uh, his defense, then I can see how that position can rise up their list of needs. So again, what type of safety would you like to see the Cowboys potentially target in free agency and or the draft this season? Well, again, I mean, this is kind of another thing that's a little bit, a little bit difficult to predict because we don't really know what the effect of having Richard here is going to have on this defense. If it's going to have any kind of effect, now does this mean that they're going to tend towards more of the, you know, single safety, high, heavy, you know, cover one, cover three with some, uh, you know, man two and, and and you know traditional Tampa two. Type, uh, uh, you know, zone based mostly uh, coverages, or are we kind of going to continue to mix up coverages the way we have uh, with uh, you know, with uh, Eberflus as the passing co- coordinator? I, I, that's what that's what we kind of don't know yet. So um, I think depending on what that what that is, and and depending on what Richard wants to do with Byron, you know, I tend to think that. You know, I put safety on there because I, I think it's a position that maybe maybe it doesn't need to be added to, but it needs to be sorted out. You know what I'm saying? Like, yes, I, I would agree. I, with I that. think yes. it's a position that maybe maybe you want to add a guy there. I, I, that could be a possibility. I don't know if it's the draft or if it's free agency or if you know if the rumors are true and you actually could go get. Um, Earl Thomas, if that's an actual possibility, I mean, I'm certainly, eh, I'm certainly, we'll I'm certainly open to that. But, but, I, but I think that you know, uh, no matter what, they need to figure out what they're doing at that position because it felt like they had an idea what they were doing in that position last year going into the season, and they were just wrong about the type of the level of physicality that Byron Jones was able to play at. And I think that once once they uh, figured out that that was you know situation that you know, he's getting muscled up a little bit when he's being put in the box and he's getting muscled up a little bit a, a little bit when uh, when left all alone with tight ends especially near you know in the red zone where they're they're not going to call offensive pass interference really um, you know I think that that's that was a miscalculation that was a difficult thing to fix because they really didn't have any way to simply fix it. So I think that the, the result was that they played a lot of uh, Jeff Heath in, in, all over the place in different spots to kind of cover it up. They, um, you know, they tried to put Byron back more, um, but I think that he just, you know, it, it was kind of a change in what he did. And then they just, all they ended up doing was reducing his snaps. Like, you know, by the end of the season, he was, he was just playing less. So they need to figure out what's going on there. And they need to figure out what they're doing with Byron Jones and if they aren't going to play, you know, if they aren't going to play him in more of a back end role, if the idea is to kind of, you know, make him a uh, a dime, you know, kind of player, a, a, a catch all dime player, 
then they need to figure out what they're doing with their back end safety because I, I think Jeff Heath is a good player, but I also think that 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 position could be upgraded and and and, and free safety is such. He a, needs to be your third safety. He needs to be your yeah, third safety. Free safety That's a is, role is, for him. is a really important spot, and I think that you know, like if the difference between a, a good defense and a great defense could be just having a really good you know player in the back end there. And I would even add further to that. They need to figure out what's going on at cornerback because, uh, I mean, we think Chidobe is probably going to be an outside corner next year, but I, I don't even know if that's set in stone yet because they used him earlier in the year as a safety. Maybe Chris Richard sees him as a safety in his, his defense. Um, Jordan Lewis played a lot of outside corner last year. I, I kind of think his best spot is in the slot in the NFL. So it's, it seems like their whole secondary, they got to figure out which pieces belong where. Um, I think they can add maybe one more quality guy there and they'll be okay. Um, but I think you hit on all the needs. Um, any final thoughts as we exit the show about the Cowboys' needs or do we, do we cover them all? No, I mean, I think really it's just about, you know, who's going to get re-signed and then how you know how are we going to set ourselves up going into the draft? Do the Cowboys actually make a, a little bit of a further reach in, in the offseason, you know, free agent market? That'll be a big question. I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if, if you know they have a little bit more money to spend. If they, you know, there's been some teams that clearly have had some success doing it. Why can't the Cowboys? So I wouldn't be surprised if they maybe change that up or just maybe we're a little bit more liberal with the cash this year than they have been in previous years. And I'll make a quick note that this is the last year Tony Romo's contract is on the book. So if they wanted to sign a free agent, have a lower cap hit this year, um, and then have it rise in the following years, they can do that. They're going to have a lot of cap flexibility down the road. So just something to keep in mind. That's it for today's show. Thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe and download to the podcast on iTunes. Follow Landon at McCoolBTB. He says he's retired, but he's really not. He, he's still lurking on Twitter. I'm at Marcus underscore Mosher. Hey, what was that? I didn't hear your comment. I'm retired. Tell me, tell me about retired. how you're still – you're not retired. Uh, we will see you guys next time. Thanks again for, for listening.